When Anwar Ibrahim was sworn in as Malaysia's 10th Prime Minister on the 24th of November, it completed what's arguably the most astounding political comeback of this century and indisputably the climax of an epic personal journey. From 1983 to 1998, Anwar was a minister in the government of Dr Mahathir Mohamad and a rising star in the ruling UMNO party. He became Mahathir's deputy prime minister and heir apparent in 1993. But five years later, he had a spectacular fall from grace, being charged with sodomy and corruption and imprisoned until his convictions, which were widely regarded as politically motivated, were overturned in 2004. Anwar then fought his way back into Parliament and became leader of the opposition as head of the People's Justice Party. But he was jailed again in 2015, again on politically motivated sodomy charges under the government of Najib Razak. In 2018, Anwar sensationally joined forces with Dr Mahathir to defeat Najib's government in the Pakatan Harapan Coalition, or the Pact of Hope. Anwar received a royal pardon, and it was assumed a pathway to the prime ministership. But the Pakatan Harapan collapsed, and Dr Mahathir refused to hand over power to Anwar. In Malaysia's snap general election held last month, however, Anwar's coalition won about 37% of the seats, and after weeks of wrangling, the king eventually appointed him prime minister. Noor Amin Ahmad is a former member of the Malaysian Parliament where he represented Anwar's People's Justice Party from 2018 to 2022. He's also the author of what will be a six-volume biography of Anwar Ibrahim. The first volume, which came out last year, covers Anwar's early years from his birth to when he finished school at the age of 18. Amin, welcome to Sunday Extra. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me, Julian. Uh, where does Malaysia's new Prime Minister come from? And what did you draw from studying his boyhood years in terms of what was to come? I started to write Anwar about Anwar Ibrahim when he was in prison in 2015. Prior to that, I worked with him for a few years. And I think that it is important for me to document and and uh, compile uh, the story about Anwar Ibrahim because I think he is an important leader. I also don't want people to forget about him and also his struggle for Malaysia throughout many years and many decades. I learned that Anwar Ibrahim was uh, quite fortunate for having a, a colourful childhood when uh, because he was born in a dynamic state uh, of Penang in Malaysia. He uh, was born in 1947, which is 10 years before uh, Malaysia independence. And when he grew up, I uh, know when, when people have so much idealism about uh, self-governance and having a new country, so he was uh, in inspired uh, so much idealism about how uh, especially the Malay as a, as a majority race in, in Malaysia can have independence and can govern ourselves and this can be seen through his writings when he was in schools he was also actively involved in, in you know the Islamic uh, student bodies civic societies and other things he already have uh, have a different thinking uh, maybe higher than in a normal uh, a normal student at his age that's really fascinating to hear about that idealism of a country uh, gaining its independence but also that political background 
of Muslim student activism. Could you tell us a little bit more about that period of Anwar's early political career and how he became such a part of the UMNO establishment? The relationship between Anwar and UMNO uh, was started pretty much earlier because his father was a member of parliament during Tun Razak's time. So his father, Datuk Ibrahim, uh, had contested in the first general election after independence in 1959 and got really re-elected in 1964 when Anwar was still in school. But uh, interestingly, what I found out from uh, from my research, back then, even though his father was founder of, uh, one, one of the founder of uh, Amno in Penang, Anwar developed his strong idealism and also intellectualism, mostly on the Islamic politics. So he already have like different views with his father since he was in school. Although uh, we can pretty much say that Anwar Ibrahim don't really like Amno at that time, he developed a relationship closely with, with leaders from various parties, including Dr. Mahathir. And he was then later then uh, famous because he was imprisoned without a trial under the Internal Security Act in 1974 mm. when he led the a huge demonstration. He was in the detention without trial for almost two years. And when he was released in 1976, he came back as a as a youth leader through Islamic youth organization that he founded. He brought in quite a number of prominent uh, Muslim scholars from internationally to come to Malaysia for a big conference on, on Islam. Sorry, I just, I just have to j- jump in there. Um, what's really striking there is the turnaround from almost two years in prison without trial in 1976 to becoming a minister in the government in 1983. Obviously, his relationship with Dr. Mahathir Muhammad was a key part of that rise. Could we fast forward yes. to the late 1990s? And could you tell us why it was that Mahathir and Anwar fell out in the late 1990s so bitterly to the point that Anwar ended up in prison again? Anwar rose up to the deputy prime ministers and also deputy president of AMNO really quite fast because he joined AMNO in 1983. It took only around 10 years for him and became the deputy minister. From then, he also created some political enemies within and within and without Amno. Anwar joined Amno in 1983 when there were the rise of Islamic politics after the Iranian revolution in 1979. Uh, I think Mahathir has brilliantly brought in Anwar to the government to basically to ease the tension and also to compete with past in terms of Islamic credentials yeah, because Anwar has uh, a lot of support from uh, Muslim scholars overseas and uh, Anwar agreed. So I think Anwar has somehow showed to Mahathir that he is able to replace Mahathir through his influence that he developed throughout his years in the government and Mahathir thought that Anwar is the biggest threat to his position as Prime Minister. Anwar mentioned this in his book The ASEAN Renaissance that the book itself has many contradictions with how he sees things 
things uh, compared to Mahathir and he was grateful that Mahathir allowed him to express uh, his views on certain ideas. He thought mm. that uh, democratic is in line with the Malays and also Islamic values. That's so interesting. The, so, so Anwar really is a synthesis of the idea of Islamic values and democratic values, perhaps. Could I ask yes. you, Amin, how do you think that the long periods of imprisonment that Anwar has been subjected to shaped his life and his approach to politics subsequently? what he went through, especially in the last 24 years, has brought uh, some humility to him, I mean, to see things from from a different perspective, because when he was in prison, so he always mentioned that if he, as a second man of the in the country, can be treated that way, so what, what is the plight of the people that we swear that we want to protect? I think he now understands more about Uh, important of uh, you know, democratic values such as uh, the rule of law, such as separation of powers and the importance of to hear from uh, minorities to ensure that there is uh, enough freedom of expression and also ensuring that basic natural liberty is being preserved in the country to make sure that the community have their own say about how, I mean, the direction of the country and Of course, as a leader, uh, having I mean, being a prime minister in this tough time, it reminded Anwar that uh, the country is not a is a homogeneous country. A significant proportion of those who voted for Pakatan Harapan in 2022 were ethnic Chinese or Indian uh, Malaysians. By contrast, with uh, 95% of the voters for the opposition Perikatan National Coalition being ethnic Malay. Why is Anwar so popular with non-Malays within Malaysia? I think it's not about uh, Anwar is being popular certain race because uh, back then in 1999, the non-Malays voted against Anwar. So the issues is, uh, at hand to me is, is, a bit, uh, is really the issues about the cost of living, about the direction of the country. It's not really about race and religions. Of course, uh, race and religion is also part of the direction of the country. And I think we need a leader who can embrace differences and who can understand things about the plural society that we are living in. It's interesting having heard so much about Anwar's deep connections with political Islam that the biggest party in the parliament now is the Islamist party PAS, the single biggest party in the Dewan Rakyat. How will Anwar and his government manage that powerful opposition and the demands that they make? In terms of uh, the discourse about uh, Islam, I believe that Anwar can manage the differences that he has with past. And I mean, throughout his years with, uh, within Amno previously, that is what he did. And I think uh, people are more keen uh, towards uh, the moderation in Islam instead of the radicalization. And Anwar has strong connection with other Islamic NGOs in, in the country and outside the country and also with uh, Islamic scholars throughout the world. And And I believe those people will also want him to success and they might be uh, one of his resources to help uh, to neutralise the situation. The coalition politics of Malaysia in recent years have been very unstable. How yes. optimistic are you that Anwar will be able to remain as Prime Minister for the full parliamentary term and manage all those very challenging coalition divisions? It's very hard to say, but I believe and hope that Anwar Anwar will remain as a prime minister, not just for one term, but maybe for two terms. But to me, the, 
the notion of instability that people always thought actually should be reflected in the in the system because it also gives us an opportunity to see where we can uh, do some reforms and also improve in terms of you no know, election uh, election reform and also parliamentary reform and the dynamic that we are seeing now uh, actually serve as an opportunity for us to improve our institutions and also to accommodate uh, all these differences as as a strength that we actually are living in a dynamic multiracial countries where people have different views and this should be treated as a strength of our nation instead of uh, the problem. Noor Amin Ahmed, thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. Thank you. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.